Welcome to Season 5 of the Go Off This Podcast, brought to you by Target, our destination for celebrating ourselves and our success. This season, we're reminding you what it means to be that girl, okay? From our style to our space and more, we're investing in our future and using our voices to lead the culture forward. So whether you're building ownership or building community, Target has what you need to celebrate your legacy your way. Welcome back and happy new year, my Go Off Sis fam. It is a new year, 2022, new energy. Are we doing new year, new me or, or not? Nah? Okay, because as we set intentions and create vision boards, we wanted to get together and talk about this new opportunity in this new year for us to be our fullest selves, to express ourselves, to affirm ourselves and our community and continuing always to make sure we're making space for our voices and bodies in 2022. And speaking of body yaddies, let's talk about it, all right? Today we're going to kick off a real discussion about our bodies, the space we inhabit, loving the skin we're in and being the best black excellent version of ourselves. What are the ways that we accept our bodies and as black women and having a real conversation about what all that comes with, good, bad and everything in between. And then you must stay tuned because we have the hilarious and talented Tiffany Haddish kicking off the new year with us for a dope combo about stepping into your power and building for the people in 2022. So let's get it started. You know what? I'm going to start with Steph here because she's our resident VoIP queen. How you feeling? How you doing? Hey, y'all. I am Stephanie Long. Been a minute, but I'm back. I am one of two senior editors for Unbothered. And intentions for the new year for Mind, Body, and Soul. You know what? Some of you may or may not know I'm, I'm taking some certification courses right now to become a health teacher, a meditation instructor, and a well-being coach. And one of the things that we've been learning about is the mind-body connection and how the way that we're feeling, our thoughts and emotions also affect our bodies. So I think going into this new year, I'm really just doing my best to be more honest about the things that I need and being very mindful about the things that I'm digesting, not just through my mouth, but also what I'm what I'm seeing, what I'm watching, what I'm listening to, and also not being afraid to assert like my my needs, right? And and not feeling bad about having to set those boundaries to do what I have to do to feel good because if I'm not feeling good, then, you know, my body's not going to be feeling good either. So, that's what I'm focusing on. Oh, okay. We love it. Again, just starting off so well-rounded. Just, I told you, Steph, but if you ever need extra clients, you can be my life coach. Trust me. <laughs> like, you are going to be an amazing life coach once you finish these certifications, and I will be your first client. <laughs> Thank you, Chelsea. <laughs> yes. All right. Anae, our doll, how you feeling this new year? Hey, y'all. It's the doll who is still in Houston. It's Anae Komenibo, unbothered culture critic. Mine is a lot less zen than Stephanie's. I'm going to enjoy my life in 2022. 2022 is the year of enjoyment. I am turning 30 in 2022. I am doing all the things that I haven't done. I feel like 2020 and 2021, I was like surviving. I was just kind of like, let me just let me just do a little a little thing that's fun. Let me just have a little bit of fun. Let me have a little bit of rest and relaxation. 2022 is going up. Y'all going to see me enjoying my life in a way that I haven't. That means like going on trips. That means, you know, meeting all the men, 
well, really my husband, if you're listening, just kidding. I'm, I'm trying to get married soon. But doing all of that, I'm going to be changing up my hair. I'm going to be changing up my look. I'm going to be going to every party, every whatever. I just want to enjoy, man. Like life is too short and it's for the living. So I'm going to be living my life. <laughs> <laughs> okay, more life, Drake. I see. You. Okay, really. <laughs> That's what I'm on. And look, if you see an A in the streets, just don't worry about it. Okay? Don't Join worry about me. It. Don't <laughs> judge. Join me. We on that wave. Let's all have fun. I love this intention. Okay, Maya, how you feeling? Our Dirty South Queen. What's up, y'all? It's Maya, your Unbothered Social Media Coordinator, coming live from the 904 Duval County Stand Up. And for 2022, it's the biggest umbrella of health for me. And I know um, health is a very big topic, but I feel like these past couple of years, it's been consistent workaholic, work, work, work until you can't work no more mm. type of energy. And I think I'm going to change that. I think I'm going to change that into something more of a working on myself, whether that's physically, mentally, and emotionally. And like Anae said, be outside with it, even if it is a solo trip. We might we might catch us in Mexico, sitting okay. poolside, you know. We might catch us in, you know, Netherlands. I don't know. You Ooh. know, just really getting into, you know, you're working from home. So working from everywhere, anywhere can be my home, mm-hmm. you know, no matter around here. So, you know, anywhere, just, just want to get centered with myself and let go of a lot of things. Because mm-hmm. I feel like when I don't, they just kind of hamper you down and follow you from year to year. And I'm just like, okay, that was a moment. This is what I learned. I'm over it. Let's let's do something else. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why, but, and this is not specific to men, but when you were talking, it just, remember that Fantasia song? Don't want me, then don't talk to me. Go ahead and free yourself. Like, Maya's free in herself. Come on. Like, we're not giving energy to anything hey. that doesn't give it back. I sing that song to myself hey. at least, like, once a week. Like, Thank it's you, a Steph. staple in my spirit. So, Thank that was you. Good good bringing that up. Good it's literally vocal. a TikTok trend right now. It's literally a TikTok trend, that whole vocal range. I'm like, I know that's right because I can't, the headaches are gone. I can't do it anymore. We can't. I'm, I'm not dying at 35 from high blood pressure and stress. I'm just not doing it. You know? And literally, my, you know, I'm into the TikToks now, so I caught that way. <laughs> what? <laughs> the TikToks. Yeah, the TikToks. It's wild out there. Please be safe, people. <laughs> it, that, the TikToks is wild. I am Chelsea, your VP here at Unbothered. And I think my intention for 2022, as backwards as this sounds, is I want to be more okay with being wrong. Mm. Which, as you guys all know is like literally my kryptonite. (laughs) I do not do well with failure or getting things wrong or making mistakes. And I want to be better about doing wrong and being okay with it and moving past it and understanding that the world will not fall chicken little style if (laughs) if Chelsea is wrong. So that is my intention going into 2022. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, we're bringing real words here. So everyone buckle up, all right? Because I think, you know, as we're planning this episode and talking about sort of new year, and again, a lot of that comes with sort of diets and gym memberships and weight loss. And I think for me, this was a hard conversation for us to broach because I'm sure like so many of everyone here and people listening They've struggled with body issues. And for me, 
it was so severe to a point where I didn't want to talk about my body at all. Like I didn't want to even open up the conversation around my body. When people would comment on it, losing weight, gaining weight, whatever, I would shut the conversation down. And I think in talking about our bodies, there is so much shame around it and so much that we don't want to say, especially for Black women. And I think for me personally, you know, I've had a lot of counseling, a lot of therapy, and a lot of real work that I've had to do around this that I'm still doing. And so this was a difficult conversation to really even bring up. But it's also, I think, one of the most necessary conversations that we need to have today because I think in a lot of ways, a lot of women and a lot of Black women are suffering in silence. Yeah. You know, as someone who has been in recovery from an eating disorder for most of my adult life, I never thought I would be in a place right now to be on a podcast talking about my body, talking about my disordered eating patterns, and talking about the ways that I found a way out of it. So I'm hoping that as we open this conversation, we are aware of everyone's triggers who are listening and understanding that we're sending everyone energy. And hopefully from this conversation, you find a little bit of energy to love the body that you're in right now. And that's really the intention with which we're going to open up this conversation without shame, without anger, without resentment, and have it really feel full and lifted for our beautiful bodies right now. I just want to reiterate very much so this is safe space vibe. So, you know, come into this space and you just kind of lay all your burdens down, girl. We are here for you. When we were having this conversation earlier, I was just thinking that words like anorexia and bulimia and counseling are not really conversations that we have in regards to Black women specifically. Mm -hmm. Most of the time when we're talking about weight, it's, oh, I want to look like her or your auntie at Thanksgiving talking about, girl, you done put on a little weight. You okay? And I'm just like, this would a natural body look like, dummy. So it's... <laughs> Not like, to the auntie. <laughs> yeah, this is what a natural body look like. I'm sorry, Miss Girls. And when you say stuff like that, they don't think about the mental ramification that has on you. So it does take counseling, like Chelsea says. It does take a consistent stream of support and acknowledgement from the people around you that this is a serious topic and one that is close to home for a lot of Black women. I've been struggling with weight since day one and it has caused me to have body dysmorphia so when I'm really tiny and I've been tiny I like I'm still huge and then mm -hmm. when I'm really big I'm like I'm not that big so it has really warped my perception of myself and something that I honestly know I need to work on but it's it's hard and so you know I think it's important for them to filter those opinions in order to have you know a positive spin and a positive light yeah. Yeah. And I think everything you said, Maya, because again, we very rarely have these conversations out in the light, right? And mm -hmm. the way that we have them with our family, with our friends, you know, with celebrities, with people mm -hmm. on our social feed, we get into this conversation of Black bodies and Black women's bodies in a way that they're distanced from their owners. And mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, we feel as a society that we have ownership over Black bodies and we feel comfortable commenting on them, speaking on them, making fun of them 
praising them. However, we can think of a dozen examples from last year alone. You know, Lizzo, Cardi B, Meg Thee Stallion, like everyone mm-hmm. had, Chloe Bailey, everyone had an idea, an opinion on a Black woman's body. If, if nothing else, that's what someone has. And I think it becomes really hard to make sure your voice and your body is at the top of that list of who you listen to, right? Yeah, you know, I, as you guys were talking and as we were talking yesterday, I shared that I started thinking a lot about Sophia Ballin's piece on mm-hmm. radical Black body love and exploring how Black women can radically love their bodies in a world that is very much incentivized by our ability to hate it. You know, our bodies have been policed since like the 18th century. And as she mentions in her piece, you know, full figures like that of the depictions of Venus that we see were celebrated. And then came the the slave trade. And then, you know, body type was kind of used as a way to differentiate between like whiteness and blackness. And we talk a lot about how ideal body weight is based on whiteness and we're policed so heavily by images that we see in pop culture. But, you know, Maya had made a really good point about how Sometimes the critique that we get, we get it within our homes. Like, I've personally had to go through that growing up in the South and coming home after not being there for like a year or whatever, um, of living in New York City and my grandfather being like, you need some more meat on your bones, you know, you need to eat and like wanting to feed me more food. And I'm like, I'm honestly not that hungry. My appetite's <laughs> not really set up that way, but okay. Um And, you know, I've been thinking about how I've internalized a lot of this. You know, I used to even hit the gym, like, trying to get, like, this ideal, full-figured, you know, big booty, thick thighs, like, body type. And, like, that's just not the way that I'm built. (laughs) And it took me a lot of time to really make peace with that and accept that. And I feel like I didn't really reach that place of peace until very recently, to be honest. And so I think it's important to highlight that a lot of that policing does come from our interpersonal circles. And sometimes it's even harder to shake, shake it when it comes from those spaces, because you can turn off social media. You know, you can choose not to watch TV or whatever. But when it's like in your face from your family, it's just kind of like, dang. Yeah, it's weird because it's it's like these ideas and these notions and standards are so propagated and enforced in so many different ways in so many different places. Just imagine you just wake up and somebody is bombarding you with comments about your body. And even the good ones, in in my opinion, about what your body looked like are sending a kind of message to you as a person. Like people being like, oh my God, you, you've lost so much weight, skinny queen, skinny legend. I've definitely been guilty of saying that. I've had it said to me. Then on the other end, it's like, oh, you getting thick mamas, but it's good. But either way on that spectrum, whether you're too thin or whether you're thin in a good way or you're getting thick or you're getting big in a negative way, all of that feedback informs the way that you see yourself. So when someone's saying like, oh, you're getting thick, you're thinking, oh, when I was skinnier, it wasn't good. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm, you're getting skinny, you're like, oh, is it that noticeable? Do people know that I have been working out or that I've been like stress starving or something like that? Like, And it kind of like makes you be even more self-conscious, even though it's a compliment and you're accepting it. But then also I think that your weight or your look becomes the biggest part about you. Like people like thinking about Megan Thee Stallion, people are always talking about her body, but Megan has great hair. Megan has beautiful teeth. Megan dresses really well. Megan is obviously talented, but so much of the conversation is about her body only. So it's like, Mm. am I just a body? Am I just like a vessel or am I 
a fully fledged person. It's weird because it's like, we're not trying to insult her. She's fine. That's it. But at the same time, it's not just about her body. So it's just like, even in your compliments, you have to be really careful because people are internalizing that. And with the good comes a lot of bad as well. Ooh, nay, that is such, such great points because I think it gets into this idea of what we're supposed to look like as Black women, right? And it gets into this thing of like, you can be either or, but not both and still Mm. wrong, right? Like too big, too small, you know, your grandpa's death, like telling you to eat more, right? And then when you get too big, then you're taking up too much space as a Black woman, right? You know, you're doing too much. You're, you know, you're, you're, incentivizing or you're attracting unwanted attention, that's because of you, right? That's because your butt's too big. That's why people are, you know, feeling comfortable saying something about you or touching you or commenting on Mm. your body. And every single time, whether you're too big, too small, or somewhere in the middle, it's your fault, right? And it becomes this real, you know, this like highlight reel that runs in your head, right? Of like, you have to either find a way to control that spotlight in the way that, you know, a Megan or a Cardi does or completely disappear from it, which is something that, like, I struggled with myself of, like, never mind that I'm just going to take myself out of the equation and my body out of the equation. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. And then for me, I'm going to cross my fingers. I hope it doesn't go away. And like I said, in Armenia, it's like it's a constant work owning it and actually feeling like, okay, all these things are surrounding me and you have the right to feel how you feel about all the th- all of these things being said to you and put upon you. But for your own well-being, how do you take that ownership back and say, you know, hey, I know all these things are happening around me and people are saying these things, but what do I think? You know, how do I, as a woman who's been in this space, say, hey, you know what? So-and-so said I was thick. Or sometimes they're not even as nice as they seem like they be into a nae. Because a getting thick, I'm getting fat. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting obese. Like, that, you know, that's the words that you're receiving. And it's like, how do you take those words and say, okay, that's the perception of other people. You know what I'm saying? But still say, all right, when I look in the mirror, these are the things that I see. And that's what's most important because up here is what affects everything else. And if I don't get my mental in check, and especially for this new year going into it, then the rest of the year may not be so sturdy. Yeah. Maya, that's a great point. Let's get into the ways that we, you know, are able to own our bodies and right. the choices that we do make when it when we decide that we want to have ownership over our bodies. Because, you know, we mentioned dieting, we mentioned, you know, eating more, eating less. But I think one of the things that we also know that's becoming super popular and especially with like these young black girls coming up is body modification, right? Plastic surgery, getting that BBL, getting that like, you know, lipo for your waist, getting your nose done or the ones that we know are also trying to go under the knife to look like us, right? Mm -hmm. And to mimic our bodies and make money and profit off of our body shape, right? Like, let's talk a little bit about body modification because I think, again, as I open this conversation, there's a lot of shame, not only around our bodies, mm-hmm. but what we do to them. Mm. Yep. 
So when it comes to body modification and BBLs and plastic surgery, I'm the person that's always going to speak from a safe place. So I always think you should do what's best for you, whether that's get it, don't get it, get a little one, get a skinny one, get a go all out, whatever. But always please be safe. And it's not just safe in regards to determining what doctor you're getting. I want you to be mentally safe as well. So for me, I think a lot of the younger girls that I'm seeing, um, they're taking this on and they're taking it serious, these BBLs as the end all be on my baby. (laughs) You're not done growing, you know, like, Mm. you know, give it some time. And I really feel like in the moment you don't think like this is something that lasts forever. You're thinking like, you know, I'm not thinking about the ramifications down the road. So when I want them to stop and think about it too, for me, I'm just thinking maybe we go to a little therapy session before we decide to get these things done, you know, Mm -hmm. see where your mind is, not questioning you in any way. Once again, a healthy mental checkup just to see where you're going, where you've been and where you plan to go. Because if you get these things done and then the mental problems with yourself that you're having are still there, what's the next step? Mm. But please be safe. Please be safe because I don't want... 10, however many years down the road, we got to put somebody in the ground because of a, a surgery, surgery they had when they was 19 and 20 or any yeah. increased medical risk because of something they did when they were younger. I just, I would hate for that to happen. Yeah. And like I said, I, the TikTok is wild. And, you know, I'm seeing these 18, 19, 20 year old girls telling, you know, telling the world about their surgery journey and, you know, hearing some of the unsafe, you know, things they're doing in order to undertake this, whether it's, you know, going to someone who's not licensed or registered or not doing their research of what they're putting into their body. And I think that's what makes me nervous, right? Because I think like the question is never like, can you do it? Should you do it? It's like, will this make you happy? And Mm -hmm. I guess that's what I get nervous about when we have these conversations and we're talking about sort of like the ideal black body that is this, procedure or whatever it is you want to do, however you are that you're spending your money on your body, is this going to make you happy? Mm -hmm. Because like you said, Steph, it's all connected. The mind, body, spirit, they're all interconnected. So checking in sort of to make sure everyone is in alignment. I wish that was the case and frankly, the law. (laughs) I think when you talk, when we talk about plastic surgery and BBL culture and just like this ideal aesthetic. One of the things that I I always have to stress, I'm pro-surgery. I think if you got the bread to do it and you're really pressed, go get the surgery. And like Maya said, like Chelsea said, do it in the safest way possible. One thing that stands out about this though, this conversation, we've been talking about ownership and who has the right to talk about a Black woman's body. When you start thinking about the intersections that come into identity, you start seeing who gets more policed, who gets more criticized, who who it's not as possible for them to just do whatever they want with their body. I think about like, you know, if a black woman, a thick black woman or a fat black woman says, you know what, I don't want to be fat no more. I want to do whatever. There's so much criticism. I've always, Mm. I've seen like people get BBLs and post their before and after on Twitter. And people are like, you could have gone to the gym to do that. You could have gotten done a better diet. You could have done this or whatever. I think about certain trans people who literally you are required to have a psych evaluation before you can get the surgery that's gender affirming for yourself. I think Mm. with every intersection, poor people, if a woman is poor and she's got kids and maybe she's on welfare or whatever, if that woman were to get a BBL, the people would be eating her alive. 
because why would you want to get a BBL when you're on a government assistant? Why would you want a BBL when you live in an apartment instead of a house? Why would you, why would you, why, I think it's something that like people think that they own black women, mm. black people in general, but specifically black women. And with every intersection, if you're queer, they have a level of ownership over your life. I'm not personally going to get a BBL because I fear my, you know, my, I feel like I would be on the table and the BBL is just going to be botched. But I think that if you want to do it, do it and know that people are going to talk about it regardless of who you are. And the more like marginalized that you are, people are going to have more to say. That's the only thing that I feel like Mm. is unfortunate. The more intersections of your identity, people are going to be more pressed because Kim Kardashian has every surgery in the book. And people mm-hmm. are just kind of like, well, that's just how she is. That's whatever. She can get away with doing it because she is a rich, white, adjacent person. But even mm. a rich black woman can't get a BBL without people talking. Even a, a middle class black woman can't get one. It's just, it's getting a little weird. Oh, that is such a great point. And I think one of the things also that you just said about people who are trans and who have to, again, like you by law, go through this therapy and this sort of like mental health work. Why is that not the case for someone who is straight, right? And someone who also wants to have this surgery. There shouldn't be those specific structures that are put in place that are, frankly, like just prejudiced. And I think that what we see then is that Get that like trickles down into the response. Yeah. And I think that that's something that then gets like cascaded down to to us and we we regurgitate that back. See, the internal versus the external baby. How about we get the BBL and we and we get the therapy too. Let's it's a pa- package deal, you know? Let's yes. let's do them both. And therapy is cheaper than a BBL child. I'm sorry, I'm gonna say <laughs> oh. that. I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. It's a lot cheaper. It takes more time, but it's a lot cheaper. But now these are all really real points that you're all making. Something that I'm sitting with in this moment as we talk about these surgeries and we talk about BBLs and things like that is that Black women's bodies literally have never been left alone. And Mm. I'm I'm speaking about this from the whole like medical apartheid Mm. conversation. Like we have been mutilated and mistreated for medical experimentation since like the dawn of time. And it feels like now, even in these times, like that mutilation is still happening, but we're doing it to ourselves. And it Mm. all goes back to white supremacy. And that's just like mind blowing to me. And then so I also start thinking about like, what would it mean to kind of reclaim ownership over our bodies? And I think part of it starts with what Maya was saying about doing the internal work and getting familiar with the things that are informing your need and your desire to make these changes, having conversations with yourself beforehand. And also what I was saying earlier about just kind of getting really acquainted with your body and like what feels good to you. So yes, like everyone is following, you know, certain, you know, diet trends and things like that or getting certain surgeries and looking great, a lot of them, but how will it feel for you? You know, are you going to feel happy Afterward, Is it something that you really, really want? Because, like, for me, like, my comfort, my peace, like, that's expensive. So if I'm going to make, if I'm going to make a drastic change like that, I want to make sure, like, this is actually something that is going to sit right in my spirit. I think that's, like, the most important thing. Steph, that point you made about white supremacy being the point of, like, at the root of so much of this is so real. Because for me, I didn't even think about how whiteness 
and racism played a part in the way that I saw myself for such a long time. I'm 29 years old and I've just gotten to a place where I'm at peace with my body. I understand that it's changing and I can't always control it. But throughout, I would say like maybe up until 2019, I was still trying to be like obsessed with getting this specific look. That I, and I was like, I don't know where that came from. When did I want to be a size two and like look like Naomi Campbell? When did I want to look like the Coke bottle Fashion Nova girl? That's not a natural thing that came to me instinctively. That's something that's like cultivated and socialized in me. And so now it's like, now that I've realized that whiteness has really messed us up in so many ways. And now that I'm fighting back against it, I'm knowing that my idea of a perfect body, even as I'm fighting against it, is always going to change. So the dream body that I have right now or that I want to envision and that I want to have is not the body that I wanted to have last year. And I feel like as you mature and you get older, you have to be able to accept that that ideal and that standard, because it is socialized and cultivated in you, it's going to change because society and culture changes. I remember TV shows where they complained about having a butt. Mm. Isn't that mm. sick? And now mm-hmm. it's like, man, where's where's the yams at? Where's the cakes at? Like I li- <laughs> like literally me, I look at my butt every single day like, God, it's really crazy that you gave people my share of butt. I'm mi- I'm walking around with a piece of butt missing. A couple pounds that were supposed to go to my butt. Some woman has that on her. They're on me. A piece of butt is missing. And that's the thing is like, that's so different from even two years ago, 10 years ago. And in the next year, in the next 10 years, that's going to change. So, you know, we need to understand that these aesthetic changes and these like standards are changing because a lot of people don't know what their ideal self is because it's so hinged in culture and society. We're all riding a wave and what we do and what we think and what we say and think about ourselves as people is dictated by the culture that we live in. Do you know what? You said that and I've been on social media and what's been happening is we're in the middle of a change. Mm. We're in the middle of a change of what is societally correct to look like that they're undoing that their BBLs and yep. going back to a more slender look mm. and they even kind of brought Paris Hilton into it. it was like Paris understood the assignment she understood that being skinny would always be in yada 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 and I'm like yo so what are all these girls going to do now that we're coming out of a BBL season on the way out and they've gotten these BBLs or they've done cosmetic surgery to align with a certain type of look and now the look has changed what is what's the move now because if we're going back to slender and six months ago, you just got a BBL and then up oh, a year later, it's not cool anymore. What, what are there BBL undos? <laughs> like, can you BBL reversal? Oh, sure, <laughs> there is actually. Yeah. Like, like I know can you can take t- pop it right quick. You, you can know. take your titties out. I know you can do yeah. that. But can you, that's, and that's what I, that, just to your point, Anae, when it changes, how will you move? How will you shift? How will you react? Because I know I I don't know if y'all watch Botch, but I sure do. Some of them things oh. unreversible. Yeah, that's a really important point that you bring up, Maya, because it really speaks to the fact that if we are constantly like looking outside of ourselves as to, like what we need to be doing, like we're always gonna be like on this hamster wheel trying to chase this ideal, and we're getting surgery after surgery. At a certain point, our body's gonna be like. I'm out. Mm-hmm. I'm done. Like yeah. I can't I can't handle this anymore. So I really love what you were saying, Anae, about like what I was really pulling from it was like just kind of being in flow, but also kind of like being present with you. And I love what you said about riding the wave because I think there's also a conversation to have about body positivity 
and like toxic body positivity. Yeah. And what it means to feel this pressure to feel positive about your body all the time. Because as we're talking about now in this conversation, we don't always feel positive about our body all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, and more specifically, I think it's also about like allowing yourself space to not always feel good and allowing yeah. yourself the space to feel unsure or to feel insecure even. You know, it's okay to not always feel good and you're not less than anyone else Mm -hmm. if you don't always feel good and you're not always on the the IG feeds, you know, flaunting your body off and, and, and everything like that. We all experience that. So I think it's really about, you know, just allowing ourselves to have authentic experiences with our bodies. That's a part of being body positive as well. And how do you get there? How do you get to a a safe body positive place? How do you get to, you know, you know, accepting the days that aren't your best days, but also, you know, hey, this is a great day for me. I'm a shine. And when it's not a great day, you know, acknowledging it's not a great day, but not making it the end all be all for yourself. I think that gear is what people are calling body neutrality. Like you are just Mm -hmm. existing in this space and it can change and you're okay with it changing. Basically, mm-hmm. you are here. I live in this body. This body is with me. I'm carrying it. And at minimum or sometimes at the most, what you feel about your body is simply acceptance. I'm, this is the body that I have. It's fueling me. It's taking me from A to Z. I don't always love it. Sometimes you're going to have a great day. Your body looks fire. You wore that outfit and you were killing them. They couldn't take you. You know what I'm saying? Like you thought you ate, you did eat. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) But then there's other days where you thought you ate, give me that plate. It's not giving, the skin's not giving, whatever. Everyone's had that day. Everyone has had that day. And I think that when you operate from a body positivity mindset, if you don't always feel like Beyonce, you feel inside of yourself like you failed. And you feel like you have to fake it or whatever. And Mm -hmm. body neutrality exists in that kind of spectrum, right in the middle where it's like, I understand that today I am Beyonce and tomorrow I am Oscar the Grouch living inside of the trash can. (laughs) You don't have to fake it for anyone. It's just you and this body that is carrying the extra pounds, the extra booty, no booty, whatever that you and your body are all you have at the end of the day. I'm still sitting with Oscar the Grouch. I'm sorry. (laughs) Inside the trash can. (laughs) I want to circle back to something that we were talking about offline, which was like, what what do we have on our toolbox for the days that Mm. we're not feeling so good? Because I know that's, I've had a lot of those days. And these COVID Mm. times, sitting around on my couch in my sweatshirt, not feeling like doing anything, it's like you can very easily forget that like, you're bad. Like, sometimes I'll, I'll get up like, you know what? Like, today, you know, I'm going to put on a little red lipstick, you know, let the locks out, let them swing around a little bit. And it's like, oh, yeah, I forgot. Like, I forgot. That, <laughs> like, I forgot I am me. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I think it's important to kind of um, figure out what those things are. Make a list, you know? And when you wake up and you just don't feel like you have it, refer to that list. Post some affirmations on your walls, whatever you need to mm-hmm. do, just to remind yourself that sometimes it really is just all in our head. Like, it's very spiritual for me, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. No, it makes all of the sense, girl. Because choosing you is, well, for me, was the number one thing. I had to start choosing me over other people's opinions. I had to start choosing me over societal views. I had to start choosing me. And I think the most important thing is what I wasn't realizing. I wasn't listening to my body. She would be trying to tell me something. And I'm like, girl, what you talking about? You you look how you look. Be quiet. Yeah. I I know what's best. So really listening to your body because with that being healthy as the new intention, listening to your body will help you on the journey to wherever you're trying to go. 
Okay. So getting there, getting healthy and saying, you know what? I love me. I'm number one. I'm amazing. I'm beautiful. Even on those, those crap days. And I know people are like, affirmations don't work if you don't believe them. Sometimes you have that day and you need to say it until you believe it. Yeah. I, I wish I was an affirmations person. It's just like, well, who am I saying this to? That's how I feel. Like, who is this for? <laughs> I am strong. I'm like, okay, anyway, let me, let me figure something else out. So I hear y'all, but for the people who are a little bit more like, okay, I want results immediately. This mm-hmm. is so vain to say, but I got to get my hair done. I have hey, braids right yeah, now. Yep. I mean, when I had that a worked. fade, every time I got my hair cut, and I would get my hair cut every Ooh. other weekend, baby. Can't you tell can't, us nothing. I miss you my can't, so bad. <laughs> oh, I want to shave my head again because I literally remember coming out of the barbershop and feeling like God had put a spotlight on me and was yes. like, yeah, you know exactly what time it is. There's certain <laughs> things like you have to do it practically. Me, let me put my eyebrows on. Let me okay. put some eyebrows on for the Zoom. Let me go put on that new them new socks that I bought. Let me go do this. Let me do whatever. I think that like sometimes look good, feel good is a real thing. Yeah. But then also on the other side of it, for me, because we've been talking about bodies and weight and things like that. One thing I will never have in my house again is a scale. I will never mm-hmm. allow a scale mm-hmm. to be in my house because if I see it, I'm going to step on it. If mm. I eat, I'm going to go step on the scale. Just to see. Just mm. to see. It's not even to be like hard on myself. I just want to see. Just curiosity. But the curiosity is going to lead to negative self-talk. It's going to lead to obsession being like, okay, what did I eat to make me gain one pound? Or I was this before and now I ate one thing and now I'm that. Like mm-hmm. for me, the scale is an enemy of progress. It is the devil's machine. I will never have it in my house. So, you know, go get your hair done and throw out your scale. I'm so glad you brought that up because, listen, the scale is literally anti-Black. Period. <laughs> Period. I'm, I've been in a place where, like, I've been feeling really good. And let me tell you, the other day, I pulled out my scale, and that scale will have you all the way effed up. Like, I took, the, I took the scale out, and I have the scale that has the um the BMI, like, body fat reader. Mm-hmm. And my reading came up a little bit higher than it usually does. And I'm, like, super type A. Like, I can't just see the information. I got to go do research. Mm-hmm. So I'm on, like, Healthline, WebMD, like, what is the healthy body fat percentage or whatever? And I was out of that range. So, like, technically, I'm considered overweight. But I'm, like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not overweight. And mind you, we know that the BMI calculator does not take into account that even at a healthy weight, like, Black women tend to weigh more than white women. Before yeah. a split second, I forgot that. And I freaked mm. out before I remembered it. So I was like, you know, let me just pack this scale back up. So I'm going to just co-sign a nigga. If you got a scale, like, it, just, just get, get rid of it. You don't, it's you don't not worth it. it, baby. It's not worth it. The scale can't tell that that ass is fat, okay? Okay. <laughs> the scale can't tell Talk that that ass is fat, But what if baby? it could? What if it could? They, baby. And then they tell you, yeah, you don't yeah. have enough back there. Yeah. Right? yeah. You know, the scale no. can't tell you that. That's what I'm saying. We don't be understanding muscles and all this. Because I get on the scale, like, I was little, y'all. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I gained a pound. Stupid, you're trying to gain a butt. That's why. Hello. That's true. Rata. <laughs> but you don't know that when you're looking at the scale initially. Yeah, no. And I I think like, as you know, and as you pointed out, Steph, like BMI calculators and again, these like body ideals come directly from white people and white supremacist ideals. They are outdated if they they ever were scientifically accurate and they have no value or place in our homes at all. So we don't need to be 
like subscribing to these notions that don't serve us and are actually like harmful to us and harmful to our minds. Because just like in listening to what everyone has said here, I think like, number one, thank you all for sharing because I know this is hard. And I think like, for me, again, it's something that I constantly, even in this conversation, have to tell myself like, this is not you failing, like going Hello. back to this, like, yeah. this is not you failing. Mm-hmm. This is you having a conversation about what it means to be open with your body and be open with the way you feel about it. Because I think one of the things I learned again is that when I got out of counseling and I was still 20 pounds underweight, I was, I stayed in the house for six months because I was like, no one's going to possibly want to see me with my body like this. And so I think for me, the the best sort of thought or energy I can give to some, anyone who's feeling this way or feels like foreign in their own body is mm. to as much as possible to have, if you don't have these three amazing women like I do right here to avoid self-isolation. Find someone that you can speak to or see or talk to who can let you know that you are wrong and that you are worthy and you have value outside of your body because you do. And you are not your body. As much as we are talking right now about loving it and accepting it, it is one piece of you one part of you, but by no means the only version that you are allowed to be. I know that's right. And with that, we have reached the end of our very full discussion. Um, But wait, we're not done yet because we still got that little old thing called the don't at me. All right. And if y'all need a reminder, the don't at me is part of the discussion that we use to tie a bow on our conversation, just give you some advice again, and some energy to move about your day with. And in case the title wasn't clear, you can't at us. Okay. Nothing. Nunca. Non. Nine. No. Heart emoji. And for this don't at me, I'm going to take y'all on a little journey myself, you know? I'm going to take a minute here to talk to my body, if y'all will let me. Hey, body. Yes, girl, I'm talking to you. Woo, body. We have been through it, haven't we? Okay? You're going to hate this letter as much as I love it because I know you. I know you spent much of your existence trying to hide in plain sight, trying to move without weight, trying to step without footprints and smile through the secrets you held so tightly in your bones, you almost forgot how to walk without clenching. I know people would say the opposite, that your limbs are long, your stride is loud, your hair is louder, (laughs) and your booty is popping. And whether they meant to or not, These people drew chalk outlines around you that I made sure we didn't step out of, that we shrunk so far into them, you almost disappeared. But that's why I got to talk to you today, body, because you are here. You stayed on my side, even when I thought you betrayed me, when I hated you and never let you forget it, when I hurt you and never let you say it. But since we're here and you are listening, Have I told you today how grateful I am for you? How much I appreciate your grace, your energy, and the divinity you hold so sacredly for me when I didn't believe in it myself? Have I told you how proud I am of you today? 
for holding my secrets, and then for letting them go, for letting go of the assumptions and the stereotypes, for folding the scars across my fingers and throat into my heart and turning them into songs. Have I told you how powerful you are today for standing tall, for protecting me, for never giving up on me, for letting me walk, run, dance, shimmy, move, shake, slip today when there was a time I couldn't even crawl out of bed without getting winded? And look, body, we're here today, but that doesn't mean we still won't tussle, that I still won't say something about you in the mirror behind your back or puff up if someone else does. And when that happens, I want you to remind me of all that we are, all that we've been through, like my best friend that you are would, to hype you up, stunt on you, and remind me of all that we've done together. Because you and me, baby, we are a package deal. You tell my story. That smile I was so scared of has brightened more days than I can count. That hair you couldn't get right and still can't reminds me of just how wild and strong I am. And those long ass legs are the ones that help me walk towards what I want and what I know I deserve now. So I thank you, body, again, for never giving up on me, for loving me, and for waiting patiently for me to love you back. Because I do, and I will. So don't at me and don't at this body. <laughs> I don't know that's right. Today's episode is brought to you by Target, where I recently spent many hours revamping my fall wardrobe. Oh, okay. She's a fashion girl. I see you. You know, I'm no stranger to a rebrand, okay? I just want my style to be a part of what I'm known for, so I better make sure it reflects a me. I know that's right. Build that legacy, sis. Just don't forget us little people once you get there. Please, y'all are my legacy. We're doing this for me, for you, for all of us. That's why I love Target. They always have everything I need to love on myself, embrace my legacy, and keep my community moving forward. To learn more, head over to Target.com slash Black Beyond Measure. All right. Okay. So we have a unicorn on the show today. Yes. The last Black unicorn, Emmy and Grammy award-winning comedian, actress, author. And as we talk about Black excellence, affirmations, the power of self-expression for us for this next new year, she is the example. All right. Seen all over your TV screens and cinema from Girls Trip, Night School, The Last OG, the list can go on. And this month, you can catch her on Apple TV with her new series called The After Party. She needs no introduction, because why? She ready, always. (laughs) Please welcome the Tiffany Haddish to go off, sis. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Grand rising. Yes. (laughs) Grand rising indeed. Okay, Tiffany, that's actually a perfect introduction because for this episode, we want to talk about, you know, what we're rising towards. All right. We woke up this morning. We feeling good. No complaints. What for you are some intentions as we're going into 2022? We're kicking that off for your sort of mind, body, soul, career what are you sort of hoping to to manifest for yourself? Well, right I'm now? not hoping to manifest. I am manifesting. Okay, Ooh, there Every, we go. I, you know, everything I think of that is in a good vibration. When I'm feeling good, those things happen. Okay, 
And then some things happened I wasn't thinking about. And I'm like, well, where, where did this come from? Huh? Well, must be getting me to what I was thinking of, which usually is what it is. So when like bad things happen, I'm like, okay, this must be getting me ready for what? And then next thing I know, a million dollars show up. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, that's how I think. That's how I think. Anyways. <laughs> For me, what what I'm uh, currently manifesting for 2022 is abundance and not just for myself, but for my community. Right. So I'm in the process of building a grocery store. I'm in the process of building my own technology company. Well, it's not my own. It's me and a few other black people that we're putting together and we're putting together a bank and, you know, Mm. bringing like my main thing that I've been trying to figure out how to do for years is how to build a bridge between African-Americans and Africans, okay? Build that bridge. Because what I noticed is every community, you know, the Asian community, they got a direct connect to their Asian roots. And if they need money, they got their they Asian banks and they go invest in the Asian banks and they go open their Asian grocery stores, furniture stores and whatnot, and they are financed and they send that money back and forth to their native land, right? And why aren't we doing that? Mm. Why don't we have a bridge? Why don't we have a connection? Why don't we, why can't I go, you know, open up a bank, get a loan from, you know, Eritrea to do something here in America for the Eritreans or something in Nigeria to do something here in America for the Nigeria? Like, why are we not doing that? Mm, why are we right going now. to these white institutions asking for money? Why are we not going to our institutions, our people? Okay, come okay. on, generational wealth. That's what I'm talking you. about. I'm scared of you. Kingdom, queendom building. That's what I'm over here f- focused on. My mind is on that. So how can I build banks? How can I build whatever? I don't want to build up the institutions that's already here. They're literally institutions and they're here and they haven't been looking out for us. And, I mean, granted, we helped build them. So maybe mm-hmm. we should get some ownership in them, but that's not what that's not what I want. I want our own, our stuff. So... 20, 30 years from now, 40 years from now, I'm 70, 56,000 years old, whatever, how old I am, I can look at our our future and see them growing what we what we lay down. Wow. I like that. Okay. Well, if we're talking about manifestations, that one is going straight to the top of the list because that's that's amazing. And I think like, are we gonna see like an Akon town style, like Tiffany Haddish, like town? <laughs> you know, in I work with like, Akon too, you know. Uh, I know. <laughs> you know, we're gonna have we're gonna have Haddish clouds. You know, I'm I'm definitely right. heavy into the technology. Exactly. And I think it's really important that our kids get heavy into that too, because their kids are getting heavy into it. So I think we should be heavy into that. But also be heavy into the land, right? The land mm-hmm. is where it's at. Like all the power could go out and technology don't mean nothing at the end of the day, right? We wouldn't be able to, if all the power went out, we wouldn't be able to have this conversation that we have now. Some alien come and blow up the damn satellites. Uh, we're not going to be able to talk to each other like this, right? Mm-hmm. But where, where it's at though is the land. So making sure we able to eat, grow food, grow our food with no GMOs. With we know what's in our water, we know what's in our food. Like these are the things I'm, I'm kingdom building. You are. I mean, queendom building. Sometimes I forget I have a vagina. I'm queendom building. <laughs> you can be a king if you want to. You can be whatever you want. No, I want to be the queen. I want. I want. I want to be served by men. <clears throat> oh, I know that's there right. <laughs> there mm-hmm. we go. Be okay. a service to men. <laughs> men like to do that anyways. They let it be a service. They get mad when you don't need them. That's when they get mad. 
<laughs> I'm gonna need you to do a new version of cater to you, but you talking to men. Like that, that's what we're gonna, you know. Exactly. There we go. Why don't yep. you cater to me? Yes, baby. <laughs> do everything. Done. done. There's your next Grammy. Okay. <laughs> done and done. <laughs> I love it. So I, I wanna get into there's a lot that you just sort of um, dropped, and I wanna get into sort of your grocery store and sort of your work with the community, but I also wanna spend a couple minutes just like giving you your flowers because it sounds like you are booked and busy. And, you know, keeping an eye towards the sort of whole 360 of how you can do more by doing what you're doing, but also building for the community. And so, you know, you have this really, really amazing work ethic, clearly. And right now you have a lot going on in your career. Like we mentioned, you have the show The After Party. And so can you talk a little bit about how your career sort of feeds into all these manifestations and goals that you're so, so the career, right the career is the catapult, right? The career is like the get in the door, the the bring awareness to people, right? So like you know, uh, some people's like, yeah, I started singing because I really, but I really want to be an actress, right? And I really want to act, and like I started doing comedy because I, I really. Well, I really want to bring joy and happiness, right? I really want to bring joy and happiness in, in any capacity possible. But then, as I'm in the process of bringing joy and happiness, I'm seeing how devastated our people are. So I say, okay, I'm going to do the acting so that I can get more asses in the seats at the comedy shows, right? And so I can be able to speak to my people more and be able to bring more joy, radiate more joy. And I'll do the the comedy show, the comedy sitcom type thing, you know, the funny mystery drama. And I'll do the actual dramas to bring more eyes because everybody's not always into stand-up comedy. They're not always into the sitcom world, but they are into dramas. They are into the action. And all. so I'll do those type of things to bring the eyes to what who is this Tiffany Haddish? Then when they go like, who is she? Then they start digging in. Then now I got investors in the grocery store. Now I got mm-hmm. investors in the land. Now I got children wanting to be like, oh, wait, if she can do that, if she can come from not knowing how to read at all to being able to being a best-selling author, to getting mm-hmm. a Grammy for, you know, being nominated for a Grammy for reading out loud, to be able to do what she loves and then get a Grammy for that, just talking to the people, sharing her experiences, then I can do that too. I don't have to be out here selling drugs. I don't have to be out here destroying my community, right? So all of this, like, it all boils into the the very bare minimal C, which is I love to bring joy. Mm -hmm. It makes my whole heart feel amazing. When I see you smile, when I see people laughing, even if you laughing at people, like, oh, they laughing at you, girl. Nobody, they think they make it funny. I'm like, but they laughing. Mm. They're healing. Right. When you laugh, Mm -hmm. every organ in your body is massaging each other, pouring the toxins out of your body. So like I'm there for that. When you smile, you're getting younger. Right. That's like that's the best exercise you could do. Like is to smile. That's good for you. This right here, that little good gizzard and all that smiling is the best thing you could do for yourself. And it changes your whole your mental like the way you think. So for me. Like this after party show, it's it's a mystery drama comedy, right? I am so excited about it because I know everybody's gonna love it and they're gonna be like, who did it? Who did it? Who? Everybody loves a good mystery. That's why we watch Snapped. That's why we watch <laughs> First 48. You know what I'm saying? Who, how they do? We gotta figure out who did it. People love figuring out stuff. And if they can do it in a way that's fun and funny, why not? 
Why not? Mm-hmm. And that'll bring more eyes to Tiffany. And then they're like, what is Tiffany up to? And then they start seeing all the stuff I'm doing. And they're like, how can we get into that? How can we be a part of that? How can we be a part of that queendom? Mm. See, are you, are you guys listening here? This is a woman with a plan, all right? <laughs> it's called strategy, all right? Like, and I love what you're saying just about like, yeah, this is how they receive me. Great, whether they're laughing at me, with me, they're laughing. I am like ultimately the one who's going to be laughing all the way to the black bank, you know? And <laughs> well, laughing all the way to the generational wealth. It's about these kids at the end of the day. It's about mm-hmm. seeing, creating job opportunities for them at the end of the day. Every time I say yes to a project, that's 200 people that get to work. Mm. That's 200 people that get to work. Now, if I can make sure that at least 30 to 40 of them people look like me, we win it. Mm. That's people getting to go to college. That's people that just getting food in their belly. That's how I look at every single thing. If I say yes, like I said yes to doing this with you guys, this is going to grow you. you I'm, I'm hoping, not that I'm like, oh, Tiffany's so hot, this, they're going to mm-hmm. put them on, but I'm hoping this grows you guys. Next thing you know, y'all have a whole Say media conglomerate, right? And every one of y'all got your own talk shows, and then that's putting 100 <laughs> people to work. You know what I'm saying? Tiffany said it, so it's going to happen. It's <laughs> <laughs> what it is. Then we all sitting there brush like, yes, bitch, we did that. <laughs> how many employees do you have? How many employees do you have? Bitch is talking about how many rings they got and how many carrots and their diamonds. How many employees? Employees, do you have? Oh, that's right. Mm. How many how many <laughs> tables you putting food on? Mm. That's how I look at it. You can have all the Fendi and all of that, but you still on Section Eight. You ain't employing nobody. You they they're employed because you are unemployed. Mm. And so I, I know again, you're talking about sort of your your work in the community, and you have a foundation, right? She Ready Foundation, that again is pouring back into the community, and that is really like the whole goal and to provide resources for this next generation. And so can you talk a little bit about that foundation and that work, like you said, just making sure if nothing else, everyone's getting a job, clothes on their back and a hot meal. Right. So I started the She Ready Foundation a few years back. And I mean, the foundation really started in my mind uh, when I was 13 years old and I was getting moved around from foster home to foster home and all my stuff was in garbage bags. And I felt like garbage. I thought I was the Mm. trash of society. That's what I thought of myself, right? Because that's how I was being treated. And I remember the day somebody gave me a suitcase. I still get emotional about this because it's like that little girl. And I know what that feels like, right? And that little girl got that suitcase and it was like, whoa, I'm a person. I'm a traveler. I'm a visitor in these homes. I'm on an adventure, right? Like, and life is a full-on adventure. And we are travelers. And we are visitors to this planet, right? And we're here to experience it, right? So when I I told myself, if I ever get any power, I'm going to try to make sure kids don't feel like this, like garbage. I want them to feel like they're on an adventure. Because when you're on an adventure, you bring something amazing to the table. You do cool things when you go to different places and have experiences. You leave like a good stamp there. That's the goal anyways, right? So I started my foundation and I started really basic and it was just giving out suitcases to foster youth, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And I think foster youth, for me, I focus on them because that's where I come from, but also they are, to me, the most struggling, work hard, figure out how to survive no matter what. They might cuss everybody out, but they will get, they want to prove themselves continuously. We're always continuing to prove ourselves because we want to prove that we belong somewhere because we always moved everywhere, right? 
I want them to be able to feel like they're on an adventure. I want them to feel like they are valuable to society. So after like, I guess like two years of just giving out suitcases and then we start giving out clothes and food and things like this. I'm like, we need to give them jobs, internships. So we're getting them internships. And, I, and I, in my industry, there aren't many people that look like me, nor many people that come from what I come from. So they don't necessarily know how to sell me. They don't understand mm-hmm. my work ethic either. Why does she work so hard? Tiffany, why are you trying to do all this stuff for the community? It doesn't make any sense. You got, you got enough money. You can just retire today and just live on a yacht and go around. Like, why are you doing all this? Because I want to see us rise. Because I know what it feels like to not have. I know what it feels like to feel like you're not worthy of anything. Mm. And that's not the case. If you're on this planet, you are worthy. You are worthy just because you are here, period. You made it through that uterus, bro. You're supposed to be here, period. And you deserve an opportunity like anybody else. So I'm using nepotism at its finest. These money want me to be on their network. You want me to be in your studio? You want to represent me? Well, then I'm going to need you to take on some of my kids here. You need to grab some of these foster youth. They need to be interning for you. You know, I can't, I can't work with you if you're not taking on some of my kids. I'm sorry. Because mm-hmm. in 10 years from now, I want them to be representing me. I want them to be running the studio. I want them to be head of editing, you know, doing PR, whatever. Like, because they understand. Mm-hmm. Hello. And in order to do all of that, there needs to be a foundation and like to go back to the basics, which goes back to what you were talking about, about your grocery store. We know that you're working on opening this grocery store in Crenshaw. And that's just so amazing. And you've been so vocal about the importance of healthy food options in underserved communities, especially in Black communities. Uh, we, we need to know all of this. Like, is this She Ready Foods? What, what is going on? Tell us about the grocery store and what the plans are. And also just this like basic fact of it starts with good food. So good food leads to good mental health, I feel like. When mm-hmm. you eat good and eat healthy, like your mind just operates better. You sleep better. Just things just happen better in the community. Less, let, it'll be less crime. You know, if you look at the crime rates and what's available to people in those areas where the crime rate is high, it makes sense that it all boils down to the food and, and parenting, which also is affected by food. All this shit, the food is the magic. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I'm at. That's in my mind. And... So I'm in the process, like we're going back and forth with the city for this one particular land, but I found another piece of land not too far. It's still in South Central area that I can just, I can gather that up real quick. You know, I found everything, like literally, I bet I start talking about it out loud and God just started, God, the universe, whatever you want to call it, just bringing it right, putting it in, putting all the ducks in a row. And it's not easy to do. You know, I was the main person back in the day, like, why Oprah don't do nothing in the hood? Oprah, you want to open up a school in Africa, but you ain't opening up nothing over here. Like, open up a school here. Why ain't there, why is there no HBCUs in California? Why is there no, you know, I was just, you know, just ratchet and ghetto and stupid. <laughs> and <laughs> I was stupid. I didn't know. I was not informed until I started trying to do it myself. I said, I can't be sitting here talking mess about somebody, and not try to do it myself. Mm. I start trying to do it. I'm like, oh, I see why she ain't did it. (laughs) (laughs) It's difficult. It is hard to do. And, you know, it's only three, maybe four people that run all the food in all of America. Mm. 
Yeah. They in charge of all of them for all of America. They decide what gets distributed, what goes where, who gets what. Hmm. And they ain't, ain't none of them look like us. Not a one. That has to change. That has to change. And if I can't change it on that level, I can do it on a smaller level. I can buy land, start farms. Hey, that's how we got, that's how we, we grew America. We was the farmers. Why are we not farming no more? You know, that's where all the money, the, the money and the food. Mm-hmm. Why are we not running that? Hmm? It's not glamorous. Mm-hmm. But I know some farmers, they rich as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> they rich as fuck. Don't even they know it. They get to write all this shit off on a tax, bruh. <laughs> that, that tax writer, you think Walker Flocka's like, I'm a farmer now for no reason? Exactly. <laughs> Rich as fuck. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I don't even know if I answered your question. I just agree. You did. No, you, even <laughs> better. <laughs> you did. This was the best answers. But I think also what we're learning in this conversation, Tiffany, is that, first of all, we just want to talk to you all the time, forever. Yes. <laughs> but also that you seem to be in this very lifted space, mentally, physically, emotionally, And earlier in this conversation, my co-host had this roundtable and they talked about self-expression and health and self-worth and ownership over their bodies. And, you know, you've talked about once you turned 40, your your knees and toes started speaking to you (laughs) and you decided to start living this healthier lifestyle. And so I think this goes into everything we've been talking about, but I would love to hear your health journey to where you are now and how you got to this, this elevated place. You, you tapped on it, them knees and them toes. <laughs> them knees and them toes, they don't lie to you. They, they get to speak it to you. You know, it's so funny because when I was younger, like in my 20s and my early 30s, I would hear my older friends like, oh, once you turn 40, it's a wrap. Once you turn this age, it's just like your knees start creaking and this start happening and this start. And I'm like, yeah, these old, these old heifers don't know what they're talking about. These <laughs> then I start getting approaching that age, right? And I, it's harder to lose weight. It's harder to wake up. It's harder to have energy. It's harder to, because your machine, I mean, it's like your flesh, your your body is a machine, right? That houses your soul. And what you put in your machine, just like whatever you put in your car, is what's going to keep you running, right? Mm -hmm. And just like a car, when you don't take care of the brakes, they go out. When you don't take care, you know, you don't put the proper oil, your engine stalls, all that stuff. Like, it's just... It's, your body's no different except it doesn't operate off of, uh, you know, petrol. It operates off of the proper foods, right? And then proper rest. And as I got heavier and heavier and heavier, I was depressed a lot, but I was still working and acting. It's exhausting acting like you're happy all the time. It's exhausting Ooh. acting like, you know, everything's all right all the time when it's not all right. It's exhausting. And then you'll snap at somebody and be like, oh, she's a fucking bitch. No, I'm not Mm -hmm. a bitch. I'm not. I'm malnutritioned. I'm tired. Mm -hmm. I'm in pain. I'm exhausted. Right? So, and then that affects your mental abilities. Then, like, my memorization's going away. These things. uh, I'm dry. Sex is dry. (laughs) Like, it's like all kind of stuff. Like, it's too much. Mm, I got to get it together. And then when I look in the mirror at myself naked... I don't even want to see me. And that mm-hmm. right there, when I didn't want to see me, when I didn't want to see me, how do I expect the world to want to see me? Right? Mm. So that's what I say. I, I have to make changes. And, and I was in pain all the time. 
So start doing that, get physical therapy for my knee. I tore my meniscus, had to get physical therapy for that. So I was taking my turmeric, mm. my ginger, and started drinking more water, started getting more sleep, walking every day, exercise, exercise. The lighter I got, the less pain I felt in my knees, right? And then, then I just kind of got like lightweight addicted. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I hate working out. I hate it. It hurts. (laughs) I hate it with a passion. So I had to find things and find ways to find stuff that motivated me or made me feel like it's like it's worth it, right? So I started training with Al Joyner just to get my knees together because they was messed up, right? And he's like, oh, I know how to rehab my, my athletes. And as I'm training with him and he's helping me get better, I'm like, man, why you ain't never made a movie about your ex, your wife, your, you know, your wife? And he's like, no, the right person's never come along. I'm like, well, if you ever want to do it, let me know. Okay. Hey. Let me know. I'll I'll try to make it happen. I would love, I would love for that to happen. And he was like, came back at me. He's like, if you will do it, I'll do it. If you do it. Mm. Wait, are you are you doing it? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure, right? You're doing it. <laughs> she said, you yes, Flojo, yes. <laughs> so he's like, step it up. Now I got to step it up. And now I got to run every day. Now I got to do something. Just like, oh, no. What did I write off? Like, <laughs> but, I, but I look in the mirror and I'm like, wow. Like I'm seeing myself, right? And then there's been ups and downs. It's like a, it's a mm-hmm. roller coaster. It's ups and downs. Sometimes I'm hey, down to 140, down to 130. And then they're like, yeah, we don't know if it's going to happen in the studio. Then I get all, you know. Get all in my feelings. The world starts crumbling around a little bit. Then, you know, now, now I'm eating red velvet cake. Now I'm like, yeah, <laughs> two, three months go by and I'm all sad. I'm not sad, sad, but I'm just like, dang, what I want to happen is not really manifested. Then mm. I'm like looking and I get in the mirror like, who the, who's this fat bitch? Wait a minute. <laughs> get it together, Haddish. You got a mission. You done went off the path. Get back on your damn path. I start finding technology to help me. I done got my Oculus goggles on. You know what I'm saying? I'm doing it supernatural. They feel like a samurai. I'm doing that every day, having a blast, making friends on there and stuff. I'm finding the fun. It's like you got to find the fun in it. Well, we love to see you. You are consistently changing. I know for myself, when they were like, Tiffany Haddish cut off her hair, I said, I know that's right. <laughs> Tell these girls that we still outside with or without hair, we going to eat them up. Right. <laughs> right. So I know the industry you're in, people are always trying to tell you how you should look, how you should feel about that stuff. And I know people on the outside, on a smaller scale, have the same things happen to them. So what are some tools that you possess and can give to the girls to say, you know, I love myself and stay focused? Well, literally love on yourself. Like, get in that mirror. Like, so this is what I've been doing for a while. And it helps. It helps a lot. It really does set the day. I get in the mirror and I look at myself in my eyeballs, right? Look at my eyeballs. And I go, Tiffany Haddish, I love and approve of you. Tiffany Haddish, mm-hmm. I love and approve of you. Tiffany Haddish, I love and approve of you. And I do that over and over for like five minutes. So while I'm brushing my teeth and like getting myself together, right? And I do it over and over. And it's programming every cell in my body in every ounce of my aura to mm-hmm. give and receive love and approval. Okay. So it doesn't matter if I got my eyelashes on or if... You know, I'm wearing a sweatsuit. I'm going to radiate and vibrate in, a, in love. Love and approval. 
And that's exactly. going to only attract and make others vibrate in love and approval. Now, the thing I be t- I be going off on some of my friends and they be like, oh, my son bad. Oh, he just bad. He bad. I'm like, stop saying that to that baby. <laughs> stop <laughs> saying that because you're making him vibrate and bad. Mm. Stop it. My son is love. Look at him. He, he wants my attention. He needs my love. Mm. My baby's love. So that baby vibrates in that, in that vibe. Because that, we are all energy. Mm-hmm. We all, like, if you just sit still and don't move at all, you still moving. Your chest is going up and down. You vibrating. So what are you putting out? What are you putting out? And what are you programming into your children? What are you programming into the people around you? That's why I don't, I don't like calling my friends hoes. What a oh. hoe? I don't call them hoes. I know that's right. I don't because... be like, how, what's up? No. What up, queen? What up, goddess? And then if they acting the funny, what up, bitch? Because <laughs> <laughs> you be out here bitching all day today. <laughs> And I feel like that love for yourself is obviously so much apparent to the fact, to the point that you are trying to help other Black women comedians come up and we just love to see it. How important is that for you? You already told us about bringing your kids up, but how important is bringing up other Black female comedians for you? it's extremely important. Not just female comedians, but female artists in general. Like, it's extremely, extremely important. Like, to me, first of all, the you know, I hate when people are like, oh, women are funny or female comics are funny. Mm. Oh, we not, we not. Who the first person to make you laugh? Your mama. Your mama. So your mama not funny? Mm. When you think about your mama, you <laughs> smile. When I start looking over the history of comedy, right? How many mm. women, how many women have given, have written for men, have set up these shows? Like Lucy Ball, the Lucy show had like three female writers on it. Do they give them any credit? Mm. Mm-mm. Nobody did but Lucy. And she put them all in positions to, you know, create. But because they were women, society wants to put put them down. Nah, we we here. We just as powerful, if not more powerful, clever and cunning, that we are going to raise it up a notch, right? So my come up, I started doing stand-up in 1997. And I was always told, well, you're too pretty. You're too pretty. You'll never make it. Nobody's going to listen to you. You're a beautiful woman. You know, only ugly women do well in comedy. Only ugly ugly women do well in comedy. And I just did, I found that to be untrue. And if that is the truth, then I want to change that truth. Because there's a lot of beautiful women out here. And men love, they love a woman that make them giggle because they dick jump when they laugh. (laughs) (laughs) What did they say on TikTok? Cut the camera. I'm sorry. (laughs) Cut the camera. If you don't believe me, facts. Y'all laughing right now. Y'all coochies flexing. I'm telling you, that's what people are making up. It's making your root chakra activate right now. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Don't believe me. Get a mirror, look down there, and laugh. You be like, yo, um, she not lying. Like uh, coochie comedy. Okay, I'm sorry. No, that's just bio. That's biology. Yeah, that's biology. Science. Yeah. Okay. Hell. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's super important. The more women that we have in the forefront, like I'm in a cartoon right now called Tuka and Birdie, right? Tuka and yes. Birdie was created by Love a woman. It. It's pre- executive mm-hmm. produced by women, led by women, right? We got probably about three or four, maybe five men on staff, but they work under a lot of women, right? So it's at the end of the day, we we should be nominated for an Emmy or something. There has not been one animation I haven't seen anyways, an animation that's female-led, female-produced, female-created, that has won an Emmy. Mm. Never. 
Never happened. Mm-hmm. It, do the research and let me know if I'm wrong. But it ain't happened. Okay. And it needs to happen. And it's, and it's multicultural when we got, got Jewish woman, white woman, black woman, Asian woman. You would think we would be nominated for something. And we... Number one cartoon. Everybody watching it. They telling me. Mm-hmm. They telling mm-hmm. us the numbers say. But we can't get a nomination. Mm. The only one sleeping on Tuka and Birdie is the Emmys. No one else is sleeping on it. (laughs) (laughs) As we round out this conversation, because you mentioned a couple of times, like the institutions, right? Like the people who are making these decisions, whether it's three people who decide where the food goes or who's deciding Emmy nominations. And I want to ask you, like for you, as you're thinking about building for us and for each other only, like, do you think we need those institutions or that external validation anymore from them if we're building our own? No, because we're going to be our own institutions. Oh, okay, great. We're going to, what are we calling them? The Blemmies? (laughs) 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 Presented by Tiffany Haddish. I'm ready. (laughs) Presented by the Haddish Club. The Haddish Club. There we go. That's that's on Black. And that's on Black Film Fest. That part. Yes. That's on Black Film Fest. Yes. That's on Pan-African. Yes. Can I just give one little tip of advice? Yes. I think we all need to be, and I'm on the process of doing it, we all need to learn Spanish. Mm. Because, you know, I just came back from Colombia. I was out there for my birthday. and oh, we saw um, you. And, and what I realized when I was out there, um, that's the fifth largest African-American population in the world. There's, there's a lot of black people down there. Mm. And they speak Spanish. I, saw, I thought I saw Mookie. I was like, Mookie! He's <laughs> like, ¿Por qué? ¿Por qué? Uh, no, no, no. Hector. K.S. Mookie. K.S. Mookie. Hector. 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 I'm like, that's where all the black men at. They definitely We got to get, I was in Panama earlier in the year. There's a lot of black men there. I was like, wait, 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 wait. Where are the black men? You know, we be in, in America. We're like, where the black men at? Where they at? We can't find them. They all in jail. Where are they? No, they in South America. Well, pack my bag. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, yeah. girls, trip, girls trip to Colombia. Girls trip to Brazil, <laughs> which is there the largest African American population. Because we, the United States African Americans, but there's a bunch of African Americans down in South America, and we need to build that bridge too. And so I'm saying, I just want to put out a, you know, because there's a lot of languages in Africa. There's over 300 some of my languages. We can't learn all of them all the way, but we can learn Spanish, and we can talk to each other. All right, and we can get us some husbands. That's all I'm just saying. Look, si se puede. Yes, we can. And they got, <laughs> land, out there. They got land out there, baby. I'm tired of seeing stuff saying made in Mexico on my, you know, on my side. I want to see made in Colombia, made in Brazil, made in, I want to know it comes from a black farmer. There we go. Ooh. See, Tiffany, these were words on words. Like, I really was not even prepared for the energy that know, you were giving. I people thinking I'm stupid, but it's whatever. Never, Never stupid. That. Never, Never that. that. Okay. Funny. But look, they underestimate you. Great. Then that just gives you time to do exactly what you do. We get in there. <laughs> Done. <laughs> we know how it goes. All right. Thank you so much, Tivity. Like a uh, woman with a plan and energy for the community to build on what we've got growing it and going to South America. We're getting it on our Duolingo Spanish game. Yes. Because we're going to get some land and somebody's son. Done. Yes. Hello, <laughs> done and done. Yes. Okay, that is And that is our Happy New Year. Thank you so much, Timothy. Watch after party, y'all. 
The Go Offs This Podcast is a Refinery29 original. It is produced by Rashad Isaac, Crystal Devone, Jordan Mason, and me, Chelsea Sanders. It's edited by Hanger Studios. My co-hosts today were Kathleen Newman-Bermang, Stephanie Long, Maya Carmichael, and Inaye Komanibo. Like what you heard and want some more? Head over to Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts to catch up on all episodes. And don't forget to drop a review or leave a comment to let us know what you think. You can also find us where it all started, on Instagram, at R29Unbothered. Thanks for listening. And don't forget, it's okay to go off, sis. Money world.